Hello, and welcome back to my podcast, From Here to There, Redefining Home. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that you've probably not spent a lot of time thinking about, never thought to ask the question. Most of us are not doing things to our home and thinking, hmm, I think I'm going to do this because it might lower the value of my home or or maybe decrease the desirability of my home. So um, today, we are going to talk about things that can be found in a home or that are done to a home or that are not done to a home that can actually subtract value from your home. Um, So we're going to just kind of jump right into just a really a bullet point list of things that I have seen actually decrease how much a house is worth in a buyer's mind. And some of this goes beyond um, things that you're maybe normally thinking about. Of course, you know that if you need a new roof and your AC doesn't work and your foundation needs $40,000 worth of work. Of course, those things would detract value from your home. But we're going to talk about maybe some other things that maybe you didn't realize um, would actually affect the market value of your home. So um, we're really going to focus on things that you can control. So there are things that take away from the value of a home that you can't control. You can't necessarily control that your neighbor doesn't keep their yard up or that they play loud music at all times of night in their yard or that they have noisy chickens in their backyard. We have a listing um, where that's going on right now. Um, But, and you may not be able to control that there's a busy intersection behind your house or something along those lines. But one thing you can control is deferred maintenance. So we've talked about this on other podcasts before, but your home is something that does need constant attention. It does need maintenance, and there's no maintenance light that goes off every few thousand miles for you to change its oil. So it's something that you have to be on top of, and I suggest... um, taking a walk around the exterior and interior of your home, maybe just once a quarter. Some people would probably say every month or every week. But if you would just do that once a quarter, I mean, it shouldn't take you more than maybe five, seven minutes on the exterior of your home, maybe a little longer inside, maybe half an hour inside if you're really going room to room and looking from the top down um, in every room. But deferred maintenance can start as little problems that turn into big problems. And by big problems, I mean expensive problems. So something like maybe the caulking is peeling away from the windows or the door. Um, That's a minor issue that you probably should be able to look at a YouTube video and could fix yourself for maybe $15 from Home Depot. But if you don't take care of that, and you let it go, and you let it go, and the crack gets bigger, and the water gets in, then you're starting to lead to some wood rot, which is still relatively easy and inexpensive to have fixed. But now you might be actually calling a handyman out to um, cut wood, the right wood to, to fix a spot that needs to be removed where it's rotted out. And if you don't fix the wood rot, then it can turn into water coming into the walls of your house. And that can turn into mold or interior damage or damage to the studs in the wall of your house. All kinds of things that could start to affect the the structure of your house. So my daughter, when she was little, had a book. And um, I remember it was these two little dogs and they would interact and there were little things that they weren't taking care of throughout the story. And at the end, it ended with, 
So just keep in mind that sometimes little problems that aren't addressed can turn into big problems. And that is something that we uh, in our life can deal with, but also when we're talking about our house today, so I'm not going to go too much into a therapy session, um, but it applies to really all um, aspects of our life, whether that's in your personal relationships, but also in your home. So deferred maintenance can be very off-putting to a buyer. They're not going to well, most buyers are not going to look at every room from top to bottom and walk the whole exterior of your house looking um, at everything from where the roof meets the fascia boards down the sides of your house and how the foundation comes in contact with the ground. That is not what a normal buyer does on a showing, but they do look at everything from the sidewalk up to the front door. So you want to make sure that that looks really, really great and power washed. Um, and if there's starting to be some, um, details about your front door, maybe the front door needs to be refinished. Well, it's a lot less expensive to refinish the front door than it is to replace the front door. If you let that continue. Um, so deferred maintenance would be one thing that would subtract both desirability and value from your home and also make a buyer start questioning things in your house that they can't see. Have you been changing your air filters? Have you um, been letting a toilet leak from the wax ring um, not being correctly in place? And they will start to look a little bit harder and be a little bit more critical of other things in your house if they see a lot of deferred maintenance from the moment they walk up to your house. So that would be one thing, deferred maintenance. Um, odors. So odors don't normally happen overnight, so they are a little bit more of a challenge to get rid of. And um, whether we're talking about pet odors, um, and really if you have pets in your house and you have carpeting in your house, you, and the pets are allowed on the carpeting, you really need to be having your carpets cleaned at least quarterly, I would suggest. Um, you are probably not going to smell those odors, but pets of course have oil in their fur, um, and all kinds of things, even if they, um, are completely potty trained and that's not an issue. There's, there's other odors that you may not pick up on, but somebody that does not have pets would. So whether we're talking about selling your house or just guests coming over to your house, that would be something that you would want to address. Um, cigarette odor, of course. Um, and I will say buyers get turned off even with cigarette odors that are in the garage and cigarette odors that are on the back porch. Um, those kinds of things they, they do. Um, really strong cooking smells can also be an issue. Of course, I'm not telling you to not cook in your house, but just be mindful and turn um, your vent on over your your um cooktop or your range, turn that on, make sure those filters, you're cleaning those and changing those out so that that's taking those odors out. Um, considering uh, if it's a nice day, like today right now is a pretty day. I'm looking at my computer screen. It says it's 68 outside. If you're cooking, maybe just crack a window open a little bit. Um, let some fresh air in and let some of those cooking odors out many cooking odors disappear in a day or two. Um, but sometimes if you really use a lot of specific spices and things like that, and you're doing it on a daily basis, that can um, create a more permanent odor in your house. Um, this really also has to do with deferred maintenance, but chipped and dingy, dirty walls. So a lot of times um, after a seller has their house cleaned and I go check on the staging in the house, um, I pretty much 
always have a magic eraser in my car. So if you see me in person, you should ask, you should spot check me and see if I have one in my car. But I pretty much always have a magic eraser in my car because I would say 40% to 50% of the time, even after a house has been cleaned, I go back in there with the magic eraser because it starts out with, I see one smudge on the front door. Well, let me just get that and do the one sponge, um, smudge. Oh, there's fingerprints all around the um, thermostat and the kid's bathroom door and the door into the garage and the closet door, you know, so that is something that you can take care of very easily. I mean, magic eraser box of those, maybe $5 or something like that. Um, but you know, chipped paint, it happens. So instead of having to repaint your entire inside of your house all at once, maybe you just do one room this six months and maybe another six months you do a different room. Um, But paint is pretty cheap and most of us are skilled enough to either take that on ourselves or we have um, a younger family member that might be willing to do that. It's also pretty inexpensive to hire somebody uh, to do that. I just had uh, a listing where we had just the office painted. So the office was probably maybe a 10 by 11, 10 by 12 room. And I think it was $150. And that was for the paint and the labor on that. So um, relatively inexpensive, but definitely something that's a good idea. I can really give your house a facelift. Um, but when buyers see and you're sitting, um, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, but these things she's saying, she's saying they're really inexpensive. So couldn't a buyer do those? I mean, $150 for a room, maybe we need three rooms painted. So I mean, what, five, $600? I mean, couldn't a buyer do that? Of course they could. Of course they could. But if there's a house up the road that doesn't need those things, they think, wow, these people have really taken great care of their house. They've probably taken really great care of all the things I can't see as well. And it just feels this house just has such a great feel. We hear that all the time too. So I would encourage you to take on some of those smaller projects now, whether you're thinking about selling your house now or you're not, um, but just updating some rooms that maybe have dingy paint. Um, Also keep in mind that you may want to reach out to myself or a realtor if you're thinking about slowly repainting your entire interior of your home. Really colors, um, we encourage neutral colors if you're thinking about selling in the next couple of years, Um, but the color choices have changed over the years. So Um, I mean, with our house that my husband and I live in is actually only six years old. When the builder painted the house, um, it was kind of a, it was definitely a beige, but a darker beige. It was desert something. I can't remember um, with Ryland, but that color really made our house feel a little bit dated. I mean, beige is the traditional color, but the beige that they had was kind of a little bit of a darker color and just made our house feel very blah and not light and bright like we wanted it to. So we did go with a drum roll, please here, but a light gray, which I know a lot of people are doing. Some people are resistant to that, but I would encourage you to go look at a few properties. So if you're thinking, oh, I've been in some houses and they're gray and I do not like it. It looks too modern for my house or I just don't, I just don't like the way that looks. I don't think it would look great with my furniture and the flooring. I would encourage you to maybe go look at some builder homes, some builder model homes and see what colors they have in those houses. And maybe you see a gray, almost white color that you like, or maybe there's a very, very subtle, very light, light beige color, or even kind of one of the trendy words, grayish, gray beige color um, that you would like. So 
I'm going to say that a couple times in this podcast, but builder model homes are really a great reference point to know what buyers are looking for. I know I've said that in past podcasts as well, but it's kind of a, a free way um, to get some interior design advice um, on on colors choices and, and maybe even decor choices. So that is definitely something. And then another thing that subtracts value. So we started with deferred maintenance, odors, um, dingy, dirty walls. Um, carpets are really in the same category as chipped and dingy walls. Um, don't let those carpets get just super matted down. You can maintain those with cleaning those and everything as well. Um, and that brings us to number five, which is not being showtime ready whenever you're ready to sell your house. So that is a word I use over and over again, or a phrase I use over and over again is being showtime ready. So what does that mean? Well, showtime ready is different than I made my bed this morning and the dishes are, you know, the kitchen's clean from last night. That's great. That's how you live your life most of the time. But whenever you are getting ready to put your house on the market, it has to truly be showtime ready. So not being showtime ready will deter buyers from your house, will turn them off of your house or make them think um, that your house is worth less than it would be if it was showtime ready. So showtime ready is no dirty clothes anywhere in sight. So even somebody opening the linen closet in your bathroom, those clothes should all be in a basket where they're not seeing, you know, a sock hanging out or anything like that. So what a pain, right? But it is something that you want to do. And at least in the market that we're talking about that we're in right now in March of 2022, um, yes, you still need to do those things, but hopefully it won't be very long that you're having to keep your house showtime ready. Um, and then showtime ready also means crisp made beds. So not just made as in I pulled the comforter up and I threw the pillows up at the top of the bed, but really looking nice. You know, think of a hotel, go on Pinterest and look at the way that beds are made. But a lot of times that, um, what we see our stagers do is pull the comforter all the way up to the top and then they fold it back down another, you know, foot, two feet down, depending on your comforter so that it's folded down pillows, multiple pillows, nicely stacked. So it looks like you are in a, um, you know, hotel, at least, at least please in the master bedroom, have it look as nice as possible. If your bedding is not very nice, this is a great opportunity to go out and buy some pretty fluffy pillows and a new, um, comforter set. Um, a lot of times they say white, both white, bedding and white towels in the bathroom give more of a luxurious spa type feeling rather than having a, a, a busy print or plaid or something like that. Um, so you want crisp made beds, kids rooms, um, guest rooms, please have those made and neatly made. Um, but maybe you don't have the funds or the desire to go buy all new bedding for those, but please make sure that the master bedroom or the primary bedroom looks as great as possible. Typically the person shelling out the dollars and making the decision on the house is the person or people that will be sleeping in that primary, primary bedroom. Um, so definitely making sure that looks nice and crisp and inviting. Um, and then towels in all of the bathrooms need to be nice and clean and not soiled and not all wrinkly. And with the edges tearing off of the towels, they need to be very, very nice. Like if you went into a nice hotel, what you would expect to see, um, on their towel racks. So 
You want the towels also folded, not just look like you were across the bathroom and threw your towel at the towel rack as you were darting out to get to work on time. We want it to look um, purposefully folded and beautiful in our vacant houses. Our stagers will even tie um, maybe like burlap ribbons or another kind of ribbon around the center of those towels, just giving them that clean, perfect model home type look on those towels. Um, Showtime ready also involves not having your trash overflowing, really not having any trash in the bathroom trashes. And if you can see inside the trash can in your kitchen, we don't want any trash in there either. Again, you may not smell the banana peel that's in your trash. Someone else might, and it might be off putting to them. Same thing with bathroom trash. Ooh, yuck, right? What are you putting in your bathroom trash? Um, Definitely things that you're not wanting to have on display um, when buyers are walking through your house. So empty trash cans with fresh trash bags in it are definitely a preference. And then also when you think about trash on your back porch, just make sure there, if you do smoke or you have an ashtray out there, we do not want to see the ashtray, even if it is perfectly clean and shiny and not, um, you know, with any ash in it please put that away. Buyers will think they smell cigarette odors or cigar odors, even when there aren't any there, if they see evidence that there was smoking. It's just something that our brains kind of play a trick on us. So please put that away somewhere that a buyer's not going to see that um, at all. And then same thing with trash out there. Just, Just try and keep it as neat and clean as possible. Another um, item that would subtract value from a home, so I believe we're on item number seven, um, would be unkempt yards. So we want to make sure that your grass is always mowed and edged and your mulch is fresh um, because buyers will look at that as a major project when they're walking up to your house and they'll think, well, that's something I have to do right away. So I'm going to kind of build in a budget for that. And landscaping is is not cheap if you're paying someone else to do it. Um, so please make sure, even if you have weeds out there, <laughs> that your weeds are mowed all the time, every week when you're on the market. Um, another thing that can subtract value from a house um, are having your um, closets, your pantry, and your countertops just overflowing with stuff. Buyers are looking for space. So um, a lot of times I've heard it described this way. So square footage of a house. Okay. Your house is 2,500 square feet. Great. Buyers are also subconsciously looking at the square footage of your countertops. So, okay. I have 40 square feet of countertops, but 37 square feet of that is full of canisters and candles and jars and vases and a dish drying rack and my coffee maker and my crock pot and my blender and my stand mixer. So now you have just a couple of square feet of counter space is the way that buyers brains, all of our brains work. So you want to keep that space clear and clean. A couple of things, literally two, maybe three things out on the counter. Okay. Anything more than that, you are just deleting square footage in a buyer's mind and they will start deleting dollars from your house because you don't have enough counter space, even if you do. So when you are taking away square footage on countertops, you're taking away value. When you are looking at a jam-packed closet, so the floor is full of shoes and purses and, and a dirty clothes bin, 
that closet that maybe was a beautiful walk-in closet, a seven by eight walk-in closet now looks like it has three feet of floor space, three square feet of floor space. So you just subtracted square footage in a buyer's mind and subtracted value. Buyers never want to look at a house and think, wow, if I put all my stuff in here, I'm going to be just as cluttered up as these people are. We don't want to give that illusion. We want to look at like, you have so much space in your closet. I mean, look, you have half a rack that's not even full and, and no, my clothes are not smushed all together. Look at all this space I have in between clothes. That is the difference in between a buyer looking at the same closet and feeling like it's a small closet versus a big closet. We never want it to look like you are flowing out of your house. You are just stuffed in your house and people are thinking, wow, this is why these people have to move. They don't have enough space. That's probably true. Very well could be true, but we do not want a buyer to perceive that. We want them to think that your house has lots of closet space, lots of counter space, um, Lots of pantry space. And I know that's a hard way to live. If any of you came and spot checked my house, you would see uh, a shrinking amount of square footage in the closet, um, in the master closet. And our pantry is could really be a wreck sometimes with four kids um, and all of their lunch supplies and everything. But we aren't selling our house right now. If we were, we would have to minimize all of that or move out of our house um, to give the illusion that it was a lot bigger than it is. So again, just remember, subtracting square footage by having clutter is subtracting dollar figures um, from the sales price of your house. Uh, Let's see. So the next one um, kind of ties into that. It's just I just wanted to mention this in my notes that it says it should look like your house is a peaceful, stress-free home to live in. So that kind of ties in that bed looking crisp and clean and made. You took the time to fold the towel that's on the towel rack. You have clean countertops. You have an organized pantry that still has plenty of room for extra items to be added in. Your closet isn't one where you're having to ram a new hanger in the clothes. It is, it's organized, it's clean, it has lots of extra space. That gives the illusion, or maybe it's actually true, hopefully it's true for you, that your home is a peaceful, stress-free home to live in, which is what all of us are looking for. Um, Another thing, I think a lot of people know this, um, but overly personal. So I don't tell people to completely take every single thing out of their house. That's anything personal. But in general, we want to minimize things that are really, really personal so that we can uh, be appealing to the biggest buyer pool. So if you have a lot of really personal colors, that can take away value from your home. Really personal decor. So I'm going to touch on something that's a little bit touchy here. Um, And I know a lot of people say, well, I mean, everybody gets offended by everything these days. This is not about offending people as much as it is about making people say, wow, I want to live there. Wow, that house calls to me. Wow, um, it feels like me. It feels like my family. It feels move-in ready. So this isn't about offending people. This is about making people visualize themselves living in your house and feeling like there's not a lot that they have to change or do. And it just has that good feel that speaks to them. Um, So we want to take down um, collegiate memorabilia. We want to take down sports team type 
items. Um, again, I know we're in Texas. Well, it's a Texas team. Well, you might not be appealing to a Texas buyer. Um, you might be appealing to somebody from Chicago, might be appealing to somebody from California. It doesn't matter if they're willing to pay the sales price that, that you want for your house and help you achieve your goal. Let's put our differences aside and not announce them when somebody is walking in to your house. Um, also putting away anything political, um, putting away religious items. And some people have certain items that are really important to them that stay out in a house. Um, and I understand that there can be exceptions for that. But just again, bigger buyer pool. We just want to be appealing to as many people as possible. This seems like something I shouldn't have to say, but I see it. I would say at least a couple times a year, but if you have anything that's rated R out in your house, so whether that's um, explicit pictures or other or magazines or different things like that, just keep in mind, again, we are trying to appeal to the biggest buyer pool, make people visualize that they can live there. And if those things, whether that's sports teams or rated R type things, are offensive to them. I know I said we're not talking about offensive, but I just mean visually offensive to them or just off-putting and just makes them kind of say, oh, I don't know what these people, this house doesn't really feel like me. They're going to walk out of your house faster and they're not going to be as excited about your house. And when a buyer is excited, they pull out their checkbooks and they're willing to buy the house when they're emotionally invested in it. So um, just kind of neutralizing some of that. Um, we don't really want people to know everything about you anyways. That can sometimes give up some of our negotiating power. Um, okay, again, back to the model homes. Go to a model home. I know sometimes they have really personal stuff up, but they don't have some of the categories that I mentioned. They might have um, you know, a purple stripe room in the, the girl's room or something like that. Um, but they, there's no story you could tell about the imaginary people that live in the model home because they are imaginary people. There's not really people living there. Um, so we want to follow that type of role model. Um, also, okay. So modifications that you've made to your house and maybe they're modifications that you've made because you like it. Um, but I just want to speak a little bit about how some of those modifications can affect the value of your home. So walk-in tubs, I know are very expensive, eight, $10,000 to have those, um, type walk-in tubs and people that have them and wanted them really love those. I have seen that detract value because a buyer that doesn't want that, um, will a lot of times say, wow, how much is that going to take me to get that out of here? Is that even possible to, to take that out of here? Am I now going to have to replace all the tile in the bathroom if I um, remove that walk-in tub? So that can detract value. But before you rip it out, call a real estate agent, call me, have us look at your house and see if that is something you need to do um, to remove that. Okay. Also another thing, converted garage. Um, I'm not telling you to unconvert your garage, but I'm just saying, um, so although it adds, it can add some square footage to your house and is not typically valued by an appraiser at the same price per square foot as the rest of your house. And you have to think that you have also subtracted a garage from your house. So, um, a garage I normally see, let's see a two car garage, maybe $12,000 or something like that. So, Let's say you added $6,000 of value onto your house by having that extra game room and you subtracted $12,000 by not having a two-car garage. Just something to keep in mind when your house is being priced. It can also depend on what the norm is in the neighborhood. 
if half the houses have converted garages, there might not be too much of an adjustment to be made for your converted garage, but it is just something to think about. Um, Sometimes we don't fully convert the garage, but it has been changed into, it's still a garage, it still has a garage door on it, but maybe it's a music studio. So you have a garage band and there's um, sound deadening stuff on the walls and extra outlets and a disco ball hanging in the garage instead of a automatic garage door opener. Modifications that are not terribly hard to change, but can, again, limit your buyer pool. If somebody else does not have a garage band and they have two $75,000 cars they want to park in that garage, it doesn't feel like home to them. So I say try and leave rooms as they are traditional to be used um, so that you aren't taking away the value of those things for a um, for a potential buyer. Otherwise, they can subtract the value they think it's going to take to convert that space back in to what they want to use it for. Um, before you do anything major, though, start ripping out walls and taking down your beloved disco ball. Again, every house is different. Every neighborhood is different. Price points have different expectations, um, different trends and those kinds of things. So you would want to talk to a real estate professional, have them look at the norms in your neighborhood uh, before you start spending a lot of money converting things back. But I have seen that um, take value off or take a house off a list for a buyer when the garage has been converted into some other type of space. Um, Same thing when we're talking about using rooms for what they're meant to be used for. So sometimes a secondary bedroom is being used for something odd. Now, a home office, I don't think is an odd use of an extra bedroom and that would be good. That could still work for, um, for showing purposes. But if your bedroom's being used for something, I don't know, all of your Costco and Sam's purchases, that's your storage room for all of that stuff. That can detract value in a buyer's mind because they just lost a bedroom in their mind. Well, they can see that they can pull all these paper towels and, um, you know, boxes of, I don't know, stuffing mix or whatever you have in that room out. Of course they can logically, but emotionally you took away that bedroom from them. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to use a bedroom for an odd space. Now you have a craft room set up with a table and you have, um, you know, all of your types of material and samples and things like that in there. That's probably okay. As long as it's neat and orderly and not cluttered. Um, and disorganized, but I'm just saying for an odd use. Um, so you you probably know if that is something that you're you're doing. You have lots of bins because you sell um, Arbon. You have lots and lots of storage containers, and they're all taking up 50% of that room. That would probably be a negative, honestly, because again, somebody feels like they've lost that bedroom to those items. And if they don't have the same needs that you have for that room, it feels again, like maybe this isn't their house and they will subtract the value in their mind for what um, you're using that room for. Um, okay. I, and I just really, as we kind of start to um, end this episode, I just want to say again, biggest tip is being showtime ready looking as much like a model home as you can within reason because buyers truly lack the ability to think creatively um, 
a lot of times with this decision of which home to purchase and how much to pay for that house. So we want to make it as easy on their minds as possible to visualize themselves living in your home and not visualize you living in your home. So we want them to visualize their own life in there. And I will tell you that you only have one time to make a great first impression. Buyers 99.9% of the time do not come back to the house. If they didn't like it the first time, they are not coming back. But, but, but we repainted the whole interior and we changed the countertops out and it's neat and orderly now. It looks so good. And that was your feedback. We're not coming back. The house didn't feel right to them. They're not going to waste their time to come back. So again, you only have one chance to make a great first impression, um, both an impression on if they want your house and also on how much they're willing to pay for your house. So um, I, I've seen that kind of backstepping from, from sellers when they get a lot of feedback and they want me to tell everybody to come back and take a look because they made all the changes that should have happened from day one to make the biggest impact. So Again, just kind of running through that list, deferred maintenance can take off value of your home. Um, Odors can take off value. Carpeting and paint that is worn and dingy and dirty and in need of um, sprucing up can take off value. Big, big thing, showtime ready. Being showtime ready is pretty inexpensive. And if you do have to buy new towels and linens, you get to take those with you to your next house. So um, one of the, the least investments that you're leaving behind for a new buyer. Yards, keeping those nice and crisp um, and mowed and edged. And then remember that square footage. So square footage of the countertops and of the closets, subtracting square footage that they can see is also subtracting dollar figures and desirability in their mind. Um, your house should look like it is stressful or stress free and a peaceful home to live in. And you do that with all of these tips, um, as well as depersonalizing things so that buyers can visualize their life and their things in your home instead of your life and your things in your home. So hopefully that has been a little interesting, um, insight into what buyers kind of mentally in their mind take off value for, and we'll move on to the next house if they see. And these are things that even if you're not selling right now, I encourage you to get a hold on, uh, make yourself some spring cleaning, spring improvement checklist to do to your house so that if you all of a sudden win the lottery and you need to move, you are ready to sell. Um, Or if life throws you a curveball and it becomes evident that your house is not where you should be in the coming months and coming years, you want to have already done some of this and been on the ball so that you um, have a few less things to do and your move is a little bit less stressful, even if you didn't know it was coming down the turnpike. Thank you again. And if you have any feedback for us, um, I encourage you, you can either text me, or call me 210-621-4153. You can visit our website where you can email us or learn more about um, our team and real estate brokerage. Um, that website is www.redefininghomesa.com. So redefininghomesa, as in San Antonio, com to learn more about us and reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much.